Do you ever get the feeling that your child isn't paying attention to anything you say? Do you ever pour out your heart for a solid 15 minutes only to hear, what did you say? I didn't hear you. What part? The whole thing. (laughs) If that sounds familiar, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, a great way to do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Listeners, thank you so much for your support. This enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Do your kids just love getting mail? Do you go to the mailbox with them and sift through the mountain of paper like coupon for mold removal? Yeah, don't need that. Hopefully. Electric bill. Ouch. Bathing suit magazine you didn't request. Um, no thank you. But what if your kids went to the mailbox with you to find an engaging current events magazine just for them, presented from a biblical worldview? God's World News is just that and so much more. They offer bi-monthly print magazines and corresponding online content that will walk your kids through current events in age-appropriate ways, from toddlers all the way to teens. Just go to gwnews.com slash ginger to get a free copy of God's World News. Again, that's gwnews.com slash ginger to help your kids build their news literacy so they can better live out the gospel. Well, hey, Ginger, I'm going to jump right in today with a listener question. This is from Anna in Colorado, and here's what she had to say. I recently discovered your podcast and Wise Words for Moms chart. It has absolutely transformed what discipline and instruction looks like with my kids, particularly my stronger-willed almost four-year-old. My question is about what to do when kids refuse to hear it. For example, today my daughter was disobedient and clearly disregarded the instruction I gave her. I went into her room with her, and before disciplining her, I asked heart-probing questions, which I answered for her because she wouldn't. I love your advice about not getting into a power struggle. Then I told her what God's Word says about disobedience and also about obeying your parents. She kept saying, Mom, stop, stop it. I don't want to hear that. Stop saying that. We read the Bible and talk about God's word regularly. When it's not in the moments of discipline, she loves to memorize scripture, talk about Jesus, and talk about the difference between sinning and obeying God. But what do I do when she gets angry and won't listen when I'm trying to instruct her in the ways she should go after she's disobeyed? I would love to hear your wisdom for this situation. Thank you. Well, hi, Anna. On the positive side of things, it's always easier to figure out what kids are thinking and feeling when they just come right out and say it. (laughs) So at least you know what you're dealing with. It's a bit harder to detect defiance and rebellion in kids who offer little more than a robotic nod of the head or an occasional uh huh, during inappropriate segments of the conversation. Or how about those glazed over eyes or that irritating sigh of impatience that conveys, how much longer is this woman going to talk? Or one of my kids looks past me and that's when I can tell I've lost them. 
Like they're looking over my head or off to the side. And I'm like, you're not even here anymore, are you? (laughs) Yep. Tuned out. Yeah. Gone somewhere else. Not even there. So in those instances, we tend to question if the problem is with our communication or their hearts. Are we just not saying the right words? Are we saying too much and exasperating them? Are we saying so little that our instructions aren't clear? Or is the problem on their end? Are they defiantly tuning us out so that they can continue in their rebellion? Are they not willing to take ownership for the sin in their heart and turn to Jesus? Or are they just blatantly refusing to listen to advice and accept instruction? Well, let's look at both possibilities. Let's look at if the problem is on our end or if the problem is on their end. Let's talk about what the Bible says about effective communication to make sure we're doing all we can do. Then let's talk about what we can do if we are doing all we can do and the problem seems to be foolishness and defiance in the hearts of our kids. Well, that sounds good, Ginger, because I'll go out on a limb here and assume that all parents desire their children to listen and heed their instructions. Yet many parents are so frustrated by their kids' lack of attentiveness and receptiveness to it. And I totally agree that the problem often lies not in the child's inability to listen, but in the parent's inability to effectively communicate, at least That's the experience a lot in my case. Uh, So what can we do to ensure that we are talking in a way that encourages our children to listen? Well, Katie, I have five tips for parents to consider. First is to understand the art of good communicating. As parents, we often think that if we're able to verbalize our thoughts and feelings to our children, that we're good communicators. We think that if we're able to convey instructions based on God's word, then we're training them appropriately through communication. But according to scripture, effective communication involves listening as much as talking. Mm. The art of successful communication entails not just expressing our thoughts and feelings, but drawing out the thoughts and feelings of our children. In Proverbs 25, Solomon says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Mm. So rather than talking to our children, that means we must learn to talk with our children. Communication is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. I just love reading the Proverbs because it's fun to ponder their meaning, and many of them can have multiple meanings. And I think this verse could be one of those, Ginger, because I'm not sure if it means that a person with insight draws out the purposes of another person's heart, or if they can draw it out of their own hearts, or even if it could be both of those things. But regardless of who is doing the drawing out, we know that it's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that we're able to discern the purposes of our own hearts at all. And our job as parents should be to train our children to do exactly that, not by shaming them when they've sinned, but by asking really good questions to allow the Holy Spirit to convict when and if it's necessary. Uh, Because one thing I've noticed about having preteens is that it's not necessarily as cut and dry as it was with my kids when they were toddlers. Toddlers are really terrible at hiding what's going on in their hearts. They stink at that. And that makes life easier in many ways, like you said earlier, Ginger, because knowing how to handle a particular sin is easier when you can identify it. But so often with my teen and my preteen, I'm really unsure about those areas of their hearts that are, as 
Solomon described it, deep waters. Uh, I do want to give one quick story about this very particular verse. We were headed home from my in-law's house a few weeks ago, and it was really late at night. So we decided to do our family worship time in the car on the way home. So my husband, Brian, read some Proverbs, and we discussed those together. And my eight-year-old, Grayson, had a really fun take on this verse. He said that the deep waters reminded him of finding Nemo and how he was told never to go near the drop-off. That was the deep, deep darkness that Mm -hmm. was so unknown and scary to the fish. And it's fun because we actually had the opportunity to snorkel recently in Hawaii at the very place that Disney animators used as their inspiration for that drop-off. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and let me tell you, it was terrifying as a parent to even let my children think about going near that drop-off. But Grayson continued in his analogy by saying that drawing out the thoughts and intentions of a person's heart are like the shallow waters where we're able to spot sea urchins and even we saw a baby shark. And so this story doesn't have a ton to do with your point, which is to understand the art of communicating, but it does remind us that the Proverbs are meant to be word pictures. Jesus often spoke in parables and used word pictures to help us understand. So when we do feel the need to speak to our children about what is going on in their hearts, it would be wise to find ways to communicate that will make them listen rather than droning on and on and on like I'm doing right now. Okay, so Ginger, what is the second tip you have for us? Decide what and how much to communicate. It's best to avoid discussing more than one issue at a time and just focus correction on the most important struggle that needs immediate attention. So let's resist the temptation to use one teachable occasion to unload both barrels. (laughs) Concentrate on the issue at hand and look for other occasions to address unrelated concerns. This also means that we have to be sensitive to when enough said is enough said. Once we've conveyed the necessary instruction or correction, it's time to shut off the fountain of wisdom. (laughs) We don't want to be leaky faucets that drip frustration into the hearts of our children. When our kids are making a foolish choice or about to make a foolish choice, it's easy for us to put way too much stock in our own words instead of God's word. We think if I just say, the same thing one more time or talk about it a little bit longer or word it just the right way, it will change their hearts. Mm. But we need to remember that we're just the vehicles delivering the word of God. It's God's word and God's spirit that works to change their hearts. Amen. And Ginger, when you mentioned leaky faucet, it made me think of that word picture in Proverbs 2715 that says a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. This verse always makes me chuckle because we all know someone or have been that someone who just won't let it go. And it makes me think that we can be quarrelsome, not just in the words we say or the way we say them. We can definitely be quarrelsome that way, but we can also say the right things and be quarrelsome in the quantity of our words, even if they're good words. So if we're in the habit of doing the equivalent of Chinese water torture every time we're in a discussion with our kids or our spouse, then we're likely seeking our own selfish need to rehash it or to seek some immediate change and not trusting the Holy Spirit to do the work in changing the hearts of our loved ones. Mm, That is such a good point. Changing the hearts of our children is not a, or our husbands, (laughs) is not a pressure or burden that God has placed on us. Mm. So we don't have to rely on our own words and our own counsel or or feel defeated when it doesn't seem 
like what we're saying is making a difference. We don't have to feel the need to go on and on and on and overdo reproof until we see the change we want. All we have to do is point them to the wisdom and counsel of God. We take them to scripture, then we put the issue to rest as we pray and trust the Holy Spirit to work. That is so good. The third tip is to make eye-to-eye contact. Small children can become so engrossed in the activity at hand that they tune out the world around them, and that's not necessarily intentional. I've been that way my whole life. I'm 54, (laughs) and I am still clueless as to what's going on around me if I'm focused on something else. I've never had the ability to focus on more than one thing at a time. Just to give an example, I was first chair clarinet in the school band, but I had to drop out when they became a marching band. No matter how hard I tried, I could not march and play the clarinet at the same time. (laughs) Ronnie says I can't drive and talk at the same time either. And I have to admit, he might be right about that. Okay, I'm laughing because I can vouch for this. Ginger and I circled the Orlando airport no less (laughs) than three times when we were trying to exit the rental car location there uh, and because we were talking while she was driving. Eventually, I think we just had to sit there in silence until I was like, Exit now. <laughs> That's what we ended up having to do. Yeah, and the reason you wound up having to yell exit now is because even though we'd stopped talking, I was still thinking about what we'd been talking about. That's right. I'm driving next time, by the uh, way. You I'm just should. Gonna go ahead and say that. I know, because full disclosure here, I, I obviously can't think and drive either. <laughs> so you're right, Katie. I probably shouldn't drive at all. Next time, you're driving. <laughs> okay. Another example, my upstairs office is in our bedroom. And when I'm working on writing projects or content for this podcast... I'm completely oblivious to anything else going on around me. Ronnie works from home too. And there have been so many times at the end of the day when we both knock off work, where Ronnie will say something like, were you even aware that I brought up all the laundry upstairs this afternoon? I stood five Mm -hmm. feet from you, folded and put away all the clothes and you didn't even look up. He says, when I'm engrossed in something, I'm like a dog with a bone, which is totally true. Can I say one more thing here that It it might be related, especially with our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a phenomenon that's happened to me a few times, and it's scary enough that I asked a friend who's a neurologist if I'm losing it. Mm -hmm. But there have been a few instances where Brian's been praying with me at night, and I've closed my eyes, I've engaged, I've said amen at the end of it. And then a few minutes later, I'll say, are you going to pray with us tonight? And he'll say, I just did that. Mm Mm-hmm. And that scares the mess out of me for a lot of reasons. But here's what I think I've decided. When I'm on my phone, on a device in the evenings, it revs up my mind to a point where I cannot shut it off. And I will go through all kinds of motions and say all kinds of things without having any clue that I'm doing it. It's almost like I go on autopilot. And mm-hmm. I think that's what hap- what is happening in those moments. And I tell that story because I think a lot of our kids could be on autopilot, especially those who get a ton of screen time or are engaged in a device. It actually alters the brain and it gets it in this autopilot mode where they're doing and saying and reacting in ways that they're almost robotic and mm-hmm. don't realize. So, you know, making sure we cut that off well before bedtime or, you know, before any time of discipline, shutting off any distractions, it's just really important to get those things out of the mix maybe. It absolutely is. And I love uh, listeners. Katie did a lot of research on screen time with kids and the damaging effects that it has on their thinking, um, the way they respond, their physically, emotionally, so many ways that too much technology, too much screen time uh, 
has on our children. And, and so, obviously us as well. And obviously yeah. us as well. That's mm-hmm. right. I, I, that that very well could be it, Katie. I was just going to say you're crazy. But oh, it's you know, probably we'll a little bit of both. I, I would <laughs> no. not be surprised. No, I mean, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. It makes sense. So um, all that to say, listeners, we will have Heather put a link in the show notes to two episodes, part one and part two, on parenting in the digital age. That was very, very eye-opening. And so um, if that seems to be a struggle for you or your kids, please go back and listen to those episodes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all that to say, whether it's uh, Katie or me, I know Ronnie knows that if he wants to get my attention when I'm focused on something else, um, he has to get me to stop what I'm doing and actually look at him. Mm -hmm. And so this is so helpful for our kids too. redirecting a child's attention is a simple act that can make a huge difference in children who like me are hyper focused or kids with short attention spans. So Katie, maybe before Brian prays with you at night, he needs to turn your face toward his look in your eyes and say, Katie, I'm about to pray for us now. (laughs) I've thought actually, I do need to keep my eyes open. During the prayer. Yeah. I I think that's a huge part of it too, is I'm closing my eyes and my mind wanders. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yep. Eye to eye contact, Mm -hmm. making eye to eye contact and even physical touch will eliminate any confusion as to whether or not our child has heard our instructions. It's also super helpful to have them repeat instructions just to ensure they're clear on exactly what's expected of them. And see, maybe I need to repeat Brian's prayers. (laughs) It's very convicting because I feel like I just missed our entire prayer. I have no idea what he prayed for. I have no idea that he prayed. Uh, Yeah. So if you're a neurologist and hearing this and think, oh, no, this is a symptom of something, go ahead and email me because who knows? (laughs) You know what? I want to say one more plug here for Brian and what a patient man he is. Instead of getting mad, he just said, okay, well, I'll pray again. You know, you can never pray too much. Right. And he's probably like noted. um, It's going to be a long elderly elderlyhood with this woman. <laughs> He's got his work cut out. I'm going to be a fun old lady. All right. Well, Ginger, I think it speaks volumes to our kids when we're willing to stop what we're doing and give them our full attention while giving instructions, even when it's inconvenient for us. That's a big deal. I couldn't agree more. It demonstrates, I think, just how important our children are to us when we yes. take time, look in their eyes and, 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 and just don't have any other distractions. It mm-hmm. lets them know how important they are to us. All right. The fourth tip is to choose the right time and place. It's unnecessary and inappropriate to rebuke children in front of others. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Children are more attentive to instructions when they're not embarrassed by being reproved in front of other people, especially their friends, and even just out in public in front of others. It embarrasses them. A child who has been reproved in front of others will focus on the embarrassment aspect rather than the sin in their own heart. The goal is not to embarrass or humiliate our children, but to encourage a right relationship with God through the repentance of sin. So if other people are around, we can show respect for our children by moving them away from others before correcting them. Or if that's not possible, we can at least quietly instruct them so that no one else can hear. Exactly. And Ginger, you and I talked about this on our episode called How to Discipline Children Biblically. And I can't stress enough how important this point is. We are likely not going to reach their hearts at all if they're focused on their own embarrassment. But sadly, I think many parents and you know, if we're all honest with ourselves, we've probably done this before, might actually have that goal in mind. 
of embarrassing our child. You know, maybe if they're embarrassed enough, they'll stop that behavior. And it may be the case, but it certainly won't reach their heart. And it might just provoke them to anger. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com, and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Ginger, give us your fifth tip for how to talk so our children will listen. The fifth and final tip is to choose the right words. We should be careful to not replace God's wisdom with man's wisdom. When we understand that it's God's wisdom from God's word that will bring about a change of heart, it motivates us to use the scripture for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training our children in righteousness. If we want the truth of God's word to penetrate the hearts of our children, then we have to speak God's word to them. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Mm. The world has this clever way of softening sin to make people feel better about it. But trying to soften or sugarcoat sin does not honor God or benefit our kids. In fact, it leads them astray. To make light of the things that God sent his son to die for is to undermine the sacrifice he made for us. So when our children sin, we need to call it what God calls it. Rather than using worldly terminology, man's words, we should use biblical terminology, God's words. Mm. That means we shouldn't substitute being disrespectful with acting ugly, telling a lie, with telling a fib. And one we hear a lot these days is parents substituting a child being disobedient with being strong-willed. Softening or making excuses for sin does not point our children to their need for Jesus. It's the power of God's word that exposes the wrong, convicts the guilty, and leads sinners to Christ. So we take them to the word of God over and over. One I heard on a parenting podcast recently on a Christian parenting podcast was instead of calling it sin, they called it an accident. Oh, I think that is so damaging, Mm. so scary, so confusing to the child if we're trying to present God's word. No, it's not an accident. You sin because of what's in your heart. That's right. uh, Jesus didn't die for our accidents. Right. He died for our sins. That's that's problematic. Mm. Uh, But Ginger, this point you just made is... One of the things I read in Don't Make Me Count to Three that probably had, well, one of the biggest impacts on me as a parent, because it's in our nature to minimize sin, both our own sin and the sins of our kids. But it's also helped me in the reverse case as well. So if we're in the habit of identifying sin in the hearts of our kids, then we will likely find many areas where we want to discipline them, only to realize that their behavior isn't sinful at all. So maybe they're just annoying us that day because I'm in a grumpy mood. But if I've made a habit of first trying to identify and help them identify the sin in their hearts, it's possible that I'll realize the sin lies within me and not my child. 
Now, granted, it is easier just to fuss at them until they change the annoying behavior and then move on. But that's not what God's word calls us to do at all. That's right. Uh, Ginger, could I add a number six to your list of tips for communicating with our kids? I know you said that was the last one, but. Yeah, no, go right ahead. I I had a thought Uh, because when I first saw your title for this episode, I immediately thought of a book that was first published in the 80s. It's called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. And as a side note, listeners, I would not recommend that anybody rush out to buy this book. Um, There are some good tips in there, but I will tell you it is not at all from a biblical perspective. In fact, much of it is anti-biblical. However, the title itself was convicting enough for me, uh, how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Anna mentioned in her question that her daughter struggles with anger during discipline. And I have found this to be the challenge at every single age and stage of a child's development. It often just looks different as they mature. And if we're honest with ourselves, we also struggle with anger when we receive rebuke. So in our episode called The Heart of Anger, I talked about the different ways anger can manifest. It looks like sarcasm, grumbling, complaining, annoyance, frustration, irritability, superiority, and even gossip. Ouch. Yeah. So if our instinct when we're rebuked is to jump on the defensive, start listing out the other person's flaws, to be immediately annoyed or frustrated, well, we likely have our own issues with sinful anger. And my point is that anger in moments of discipline is almost guaranteed in our sinful nature, all of us. But I have found in my own experience that much of my kids' anger can be mitigated if I put the focus on listening to them rather than just being heard. We absolutely need to faithfully and lovingly point them back to God's word time and time again. But I think the second most important thing we can do is to listen to them. And I find that the more nuanced the situation, the more important it is to, as the author Stephen Covey says, listen first to understand and then to be understood. Mm, That's good. If we're yelling, listen to me, to our kids, we're probably doing it wrong. Um, Proverbs 18, too, puts it really bluntly. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. It doesn't say his wrong opinion. It just says Mm -hmm. his opinion, even if it's biblical. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that it's foolish to talk to our children or to lovingly rebuke them, but I do believe the Proverbs make it clear that it's foolish to do so without taking the time to listen as well. And when we listen, in turn, we are more likely to be heard by our kids. That's right. Listening is also a way, basically what you're saying in that last sentence, Katie, is it's a way to give the same respect for our children that we're requiring them to give us. Exactly. And I think a great verse to support what you're saying there is Proverbs 18, 13, which says, to answer before listening, that is a folly and shame. Mm -hmm. Well, Ginger, because I read all the questions that come in from our listeners, as I know you do too, let me just speak for parents out there who might be thinking, Okay, you're not telling me anything new. I have been listening to this podcast since day one. I am taking notes. I am looking things up. I even know what the show notes are and where to find them. And I am (laughs) reciting all the scriptures you mentioned. I'm doing it all, but it's not doing any good. What if the problem isn't the way I'm communicating, but that my child is just flat out refusing to listen to advice and accept instruction? Then what do I do? Then you take them to scripture. 
that warns them about the consequences of those who refuse to listen to advice and accept instruction. Mm. You might rebuke them by saying, sweetheart, it's foolish for you to disobey and not listen to my instructions. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. A couple of other verses to mention might be Proverbs 15.1. A fool spurns a parent's discipline. And Proverbs 19.3, a person's own folly leads to their ruin. Mm. That's consequences. Then you might encourage them with scripture that talk about the blessings that come to those who do listen to advice and accept instruction and choose wisdom over foolishness. Here are a few scriptures to consider. Proverbs 1.23, repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. I love that one. And Proverbs 133, whoever listens to me will live safely and be at ease without fear of harm. Mm -hmm. There are just so many Proverbs that warn of consequences for those who don't listen to wisdom and repent, and lots of Proverbs that tell of the blessings for those who do. Another good one is Proverbs 14.9, which says, fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. Teaching children to listen to advice and accept instruction is of vital importance for their character development and spiritual well-being. I love how Solomon reiterates the wisdom of heeding instruction in Proverbs 19.20. He said, listen to advice and accept discipline, and in the end, you will be counted among the wise. Now is the part of our show where we share a funny kid quip from one of our listeners. Today's kid quip is courtesy of me. Well, actually... It's courtesy of my oldest child, JJ, while we were still living in Birmingham, Alabama. Well, in case I haven't mentioned this on the show before, we are huge University of Georgia football fans. And if you know nothing about sports, that's okay. The only thing you need to know is that it's really hard for diehard Georgia fans to live in Birmingham, Alabama amongst a whole lot of Alabama and Auburn fans. War Eagle. Yeah, I know. Uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) we'll get to that and try as we did it was hard for our kids to not pick up on that tension that we experienced Uh, when we would get cut off in traffic or something our kids would say hmm Auburn fan Uh, and just so you know Ginger we would correct them and say there are plenty of terrible drivers who are Georgia fans anybody who's driven through Atlanta will know this okay but anyway we were in Dick's Sporting Goods one day and JJ who was probably 9 or 10 at the time said mom Look at that dummy wearing an Auburn shirt. Well, I whipped my head around so fast and probably glared a hole through him because I was not happy when I heard him say that. You know, we don't condone name calling of any kind, Auburn fan or not. And his eyes got so big and he was like, but mom, it is wearing an Auburn shirt. And it was then that I realized that the dummy was a mannequin. And not a person. (laughs) Ginger, we have laughed about that for years. Years. That is pretty hilarious. But Kate, what you're failing to realize is that encouraging your kids to be Georgia fans instead of Auburn fans, that's just plain and simple bad parenting. Okay. All right. I'm not going to mention. We'll do a whole episode on that. Yeah, I'm not going to mention any recent record or anything. That's all right. All right. 
Uh, listeners, if you have a kid quip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any funny thing your child or grandchild has said, or it can even be something funny you said as a child. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash kidquips. That's Q-U-I-P-S to submit those. Well, Ginger, as we strive with the help of the Holy Spirit to be the kind of parents that our kids will want to listen to, can you please leave us with a final word of encouragement? Seeds that are planted in hard, rocky ground don't grow well, if at all. They have the best chance when they're planted in soil that's been prepared and softened. Listening to our children and being wise about how we communicate are ways we prepare and soften their hearts, which makes for better seed planting. So let's take time to do it right. Let's plant the seeds of righteousness and pray that God will grow those seeds as only he can do. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This is a huge help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. You can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can also find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. That sounds good, Ginger, because I'll just go out on a limb. Because I'll <laughs> You'll just, just what? <laughs> just like that. That sounds good, Ginger, because I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't like that phrase because I can't say it. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here. <sighs> I'll try again. That sounds good, Ginger, because I'll go out on a limb here. I can't say that. I can't say it. <laughs> yes, you can. Keep doing it. You gotta I'll do go it. out You're gonna on a right. limb here. I have to slow down so much. It sounds stupid. Okay, I'll try one more time. Or you could say, I dare say, or no I dare limbs. assume. No limbs. <laughs> Hang on, I have to yawn. <laughs> so you're so bored that with what I have to intriguing. say. That was intriguing. you hear that, listeners? <laughs> Katie's like, Hold on a second. I got to yawn know, after bad. that long monologue you just gave. No, it's bad because it was all scripture. It's terrible that I'm yawning then. 